people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hi, this is Sri Chalapa again with People Strategy Leaders Podcast, and welcome to our next show. Uh, today, I am um, excited, really excited, to introduce uh, Amari McComas, who, um, and just a little background about Amari McComas, she is the CHRO of CPSI, which is a publicly traded company. She became uh, a chief people officer in 2021 under Amari's Amari's leadership, her team builds, inspires, and maintains employee engagement while shaping a culture that represents the voice of the employee. In addition, Amari and team are central to CPSI's transformation journey, one that is leading the company to deliver digital innovation and accelerated growth. An HR visionary focused on results, Amari brings extensive experience to CPSI related to strategic human resource management, including system implementations, MA, M&A integrations and organizational development, along with sourcing, hiring, and retention of quality and diverse candidates. Amari graduated from Emory University with a Bachelor's of Arts in Sociology. She's a two-time recipient of the Diversity Ambassador Award for increasing awareness in education and recruitment related to affirmative action. Amari resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, and currently serves as the Board of Directors Chair for the Veterans Bridge home. Welcome to the show, Amari. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm going to, I'm me too. And you know, I don't really get to talk to a lot of diverse city people as necessarily, but it's even more rare to talk to um, a CHRO of a publicly traded company who's of a Latino origin. Um, So we, we obviously don't see that a lot. Um, so I wanted to understand, you know, what was, what was your journey to get to this point? No, thank you. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a wild journey. So I will say I, I don't take it for granted any day that, that I know I am trying to really put forward the best that we can as a Latina, as a Hispanic, as a leader in the organization. So my journey has been pretty, um, pretty diverse. I am born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, from, you know, Puerto Rican family, I had a great just family household upbringing, very supportive, decided to go to school in the States and really started my professional journey in um, staffing. And as we all know, that's a pretty um, gruesome and fascinating world of getting to know people, meeting different types of backgrounds, understanding the ins and outs of, of human composition and also of you know what is talent and why do we care to have strong people how does it work and and what are you getting from a human capital side so mm-hmm. that was journey from there honestly i've done everything that i've been asked to do and sometimes things that i thought i wanted 
in things that I didn't know I wanted to do, or maybe that I didn't want to do. So my journey has been pretty deep in talent acquisition. That's where I spend most of my career. And I went to different industries. I went to different um, organizations. I also made sure that I tried and explored and was curious to learn something new at all times. So I think that when I think about what brought me here, not just kind of going through the different HR areas um, and verticals and understanding talent and change management and, and kind of the traditional HR lingo, but most importantly was being curious to always be learning and always be growing. And how do I become a good people manager? And how do I become a leader that has followership? And how do I look at leaders that I work for and emulate behaviors that are really good and then those that are not as good? So Charlotte started my journey, then Chicago, then back to Charlotte, now Mobile. So I think flexibility has been a pretty big key of how I got to this role and really exploring many different roles to be able to be as well-rounded as I can be. That's awesome. So can you uh, tell me why don't we see more people like you in leadership positions, in, especially in publicly traded companies? And what do we need to do about it? That's a hard question. <laughs> um, I would say, because because I would say, I wish there was more of us and maybe part of the challenge that we've had as an, as a community is there's not a lot. So when we are younger, right. And I think about me and maybe in my twenties, I just graduated from college. I'm not quite sure what I want to do with my life. I know I want to be in the people sector because that's always what I've loved, but I didn't see a lot of people that I could kind of look up to and say, Ooh, I want to be like her. Oh, she's, she's successful. And this is what success means to me. And that really resonates. There is not a lot of that. So when, when I, you asked me the question, why, what, why is there not more Latinas and um, Hispanics, you know, in, in leadership roles in publicly traded companies? I think number one is you have to see people that look like you um, to sometimes want to even aspire um, mm -hmm. to be there you also have to have people that inspire you through your you know through your life and that you want to emulate in some way shape or form so i think the more representation the more opportunity people have um the more we'll see that changing and at the end of the day too there is a, a cultural component i think to be honest with you you know as, as females it is different to be in the leadership role as as, as a woman of you know of a diverse background Culturally, it is different. And, and I think getting comfortable with who you are and being able to show up, you know, all of you without having to change to kind of conform to a norm or an organization or a culture is really different. And we have to get to the place where we are comfort, you know, comfortable being who we are in all positions and in different organizations. So obviously you've made that one of your life mission because you've gotten... I guess the award twice for leading diversity initiatives. Um, so what are the, some of the things that you, when you yours, look at yourself as the leader and as that role model that you're talking about, you wish you had uh, for people, like what are some of the things that you are doing that you feel um, are helping and the things you want to do that will help? And that, so I would say there's, there's a lot that I want to do. Um, I don't think I'm doing nearly enough. So I start by by mentorship. You know, we talk a lot about mentorship and and any opportunity I get to be able to be in front of of a female, you know, at any age group that really wants to understand what is the art of possibilities, where should they go, what should they consider. 
I take any chance to work with women in many diverse sectors and areas and to help them kind of navigate through opportunities. And it could be from an internship. I don't know what I want to do. How should I go about that? It could be about jobs. It could also be just about self-development, right? And, and being kind of a, a woman that's comfortable and confident in whatever space they're in. So to me, that's number one is how can I give back to the community that has helped me get to where I am and hopefully the community that will continue to help me grow and develop. I think number two is how do I make sure that I'm always leading by example? So we talk a lot about values in the world of leadership. We talk about what are your core values? And and I, I think we all have been around leaders that are great about talking about them. And these are what they are for me. And this is why it's important. But are they really behaving right. and really engaging and acting upon those every single day? So I think one of the best ways for me to do kind of is lead by example. So I know I'm representing not just me as an individual and the organization that I you know sit in and the people that I try to lead every day, but also a female Latina that wants to be, make sure that is living the values and living who I am, you know, in a way that's very genuine to kind of who I am. So I think that's outside of the mentorship, which I think forever will be a component. It truly is. How do I lead, you know, lead and live my values on a regular um, basis and make sure that I'm, you know, staying kind of accountable and true to that. That's, that's a great point. You know, we talk to a lot of clients of our own, you know, in, as, as a leader in HR tech space, one of the things that, uh, you know, when I have conversations with HR is like, I want my people to have these values and culture and things like that. And I ask them, well, do your leaders live that value? Do they behave in that value? The adoption of certain values and the software and the systems and processes will only happen if the leaders first start doing it because what are the leaders do? People tend, tend to emulate those behaviors. So if, if organization leader talks about diversity, but, but doesn't actually practice diversity. Um, I feel like, I mean, I, I think I don't, I, I would bet on it that I, that, that the organization is not going to embrace diversity. You know, they can give all the lectures they want to their people, but if they're surrounding themselves with people just like them or people who talk and, and behave just like them, uh, you know, whether it's a country club voice or maybe it is, you know, maybe people like us who are Indians, you know, who just hire all Indians and whatever that is. And it could be, you know, it could be any of those components, but if you really don't behave of yeah. what you say, th those things don't translate. So, you know, when you look at CPSI, which is obviously a very successful company, and I, I had heard of CPSI uh, previously, so I was very excited when I, uh, when I found out that you wanted to be on my show. What are uh, what is the CPSI leadership doing, and what are you know what are your initiatives around that? Yeah, that's a great question, and and I'll start by saying, what what an what an incredible group of leaders I've joined. You know, I I've had the privilege to take this role about a year ago, being the chief people officer, and you know that was a big change. To be honest, you know they hadn't had that type of role in the organization, and it was. Uh, one of the first attempts to make a big point about what their investment in people would be and that our goal and our intent is to be a people first organization. And what does that mean? Right. 
what that means is we have to lead with a lens of what are we doing to make sure we're attracting, retaining, and developing our people. What are we doing so that when we have situations where people don't understand what you know diversity, equity, and inclusion is, and how are we actually incorporating that into the DNA and the fabric of who we are, that we're educating. Because for a long, long time, the organization has been successful from a, obviously market and profitability. It has been successful in that we have some pretty incredible talent and leaders that have been here for a long time. And the question is, how do we utilize what we're good at, but then kind of go into the next level of being intentional about our decisions and our actions to go back to your question. So some of the things we've done um, is really kind of how do we ensure that we have better visibility into the data of kind of our people and our progress and mobility so that we can get, get better opportunity for our internal talent to be able to move through the organization. It wasn't easy. It wasn't, it was a little bit of luck and sometimes opportunity. So how do we make that more transparent so that we can be a more inclusive and a more mobile environment? I think the other piece is, you know, DEI and that space is fairly new to the organization. So we've invested in putting a council together and that council is responsible for really activating and educating and engaging our workforce in what all the celebrations of DEI include. And, and the most important point of that to me is that it's not just putting a little logo somewhere that says, oh, we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month or we celebrate this is we celebrated. Here's how we're doing it. And let me tell you a little bit of history of why we, why you should care to understand, too. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to be an advocate for everything because that's not the world we live in. But at least you have to understand and respect. And that's kind of our goal is how do we get people to move the needle a little bit? How do we get them to go from why does it matter to me if I'm not one of you or one of us or one of them? And hey, we're all in this together and that's the world we live in. So we've been putting a lot of kind of key components of how do we thread DEI into our practices from how we think of performance management? How do we think about the recruiting slate and making sure we have a very variety of candidates in the slate? But most importantly, how do we kind of incorporate into the fabric of who we are and the things that we really love about our organization to be more educated and to have higher levels of respect for each other as it relates to the backgrounds we come from and you know the the paths that we've all shared through this journey of, of work so that those are some of the things but it goes back to the people and if we say if we're a people first now we're going to have to actually make sure that we deliver that we are people first that doesn't mean that every decision we make people are going to love because that also means we're going to remove some barriers and we're going to put some others to make it harder. Um, but I think if we stay true to the core of why we are going to do this, which is we want to make sure that we're delivering the best experience for those that are in the organization when they're in it and when they leave too. And if we can kind of stay true to doing that and amplifying their skills and making sure we're really investing in our people, that's going to translate into many other things and how they engage with our customers. So that's a little bit of kind of how we're thinking about that and, and putting it as part of our DNA and our day-to-day. -day. That's awesome. What, what are some of the other people first things you're doing at CPSI? Yeah, so, so we've kind of taken a, a look at what are all the things that the, the market is, is needing to. So we know that the market is kind of an interesting flexibility is key. I think we've heard that, right? Everyone's kind of working from everywhere. Some people have decided to bring organizations and people inside of the office again. Some people haven't. Um, we've decided that we are really a remote 
focused organization, we can do a lot of our work remotely. There's some core roles that maybe have to be in the office, but in general, we're not. So it is important for us to provide that flexibility so that people can and operate um, on different side of the country and do other things as well. Um, the other piece that I would say is development. So historically, we haven't invested in development for our internal employees and our talent. There are specific things maybe they had to train on, but when we thought right. about how to really put our money where our mouth is and develop our key talent. Um, so we've deployed some initial pilots on leadership development programs. And the last piece that I would say is probably the one that's um, near and dear to my heart because it does transcend the world that we live in is health and well-being. Mm-hmm. We, we have been in a place of, of burnout and, and COVID was a hard place to be for many people for many reasons. And one of the things that I really wanted to, and the team was excited about was how do we take this whole idea of, oh, we have benefits, great, but really bring it to a more holistic view of our employees and health and well-being was what we chose. And one of the things um, that I'm going to go into a little bit of detail because I am so excited about it is it's called Neuro 580. And Neuro 580 is in partnership with, you know, kind of an external Um, organization that really our whole focus is how do we bring a simple tool that can help any employee and and actually originally it's going to be cost it's going to be customer facing too but any employee in their day-to-day so that they can mentally reset but in 32 minutes in 30 seconds to a minute so we know that yoga and pilates and meditation is amazing to get kind of your set reset and to go from a you know more focused way of doing your work and being present both none of us have sometimes that time we're in busy jobs busy schedules so we develop a tool um, that we're incorporating to our kind of normal BAU practices business as usual practices that helps you in 30 seconds to a minute reset your brain and reset to be more focused, to be more present, and to be more calm so that you can be more productive. So that's one of the things we've done. Um, and I'm excited. We're deploying it to the broad organization actually in a few weeks. And um, we've piloted and it's a way to give back to our employees. And we're actually going to be giving it to our customers as well. Um, so that that's exciting. But that's one of the ways that we've decided to you know, put our people first. That's amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations talk about mental well-being uh, and <clears throat> mental well-being is not just giving them a, a day off a friday off or yeah. or say you know uh, we have unlimited vacation or you can work from anywhere uh, but if you have constant stress and lack of psychological safety and some of those things in place you know the person's going to be stressed even if they're having a day off you know so What? it's it's so. much broader much broader and we're not going to solve the world no matter how much you put in it and give to people because everyone needs different. But if you really can think of all the components of what that means and what may serve your organization and ultimately also ask the organization, like, what is it that you need from us? Because right now they may have different needs of what that mental well-being may be than there was five years ago or even, you know, will be in a year. So trying to be fairly agile and iterative on not getting stuck and we're going to deploy this for the next five years. I think that those days are gone. They're gone. We got to be much more um, agile. agile and innovative and, and be open to saying, Hey, that worked or that really didn't work. So how do we change it and do something that's going to be more impactful? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. Uh, this question and this topic is actually near and dear to my, you know, in leadership, we always try to think about how do I make, you know, as a, as a leader and a manager, you have two imperatives, right? One imperative is to make the organization successful, hit their goals, make, you know, make your profits and your sales or whatever that is, right? Hit your development goals. And I say development, I mean technology development goals if you're, if you're a technical person. On the other hand, you also want to care about the employee being satisfied and fulfilled and not have the mental agony of wanting to you know, show up at work at, on a Monday morning. So there's this balance that a manager has to do. So what, in your opinion, how do, what are some of the best managers doing to match that too so that that's where the best results come from when organization gets their goals, people align to their goals and working towards their goals and then people get fulfillment and joy at work. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and um, I don't know what you know the right answer may be. I'll just give you what my experience has been. And when I think of what are the best leaders that I've observed and, and experienced and been part of an organization with, um, one of the things that I always stands out is they have a great balance of confidence and humility. So. I love when I see a leader that has the ability to say, here's what I know and here's what I've experienced, but I really want to be curious about this other area, or I don't know what this means. I need you to help me kind of figure that out. So when you can have that balance of knowing who you are, knowing who you know, um, knowing what you know, but then also say, here's all the things I don't know that I really want to go to all these other people that are so much better, so much smarter. So to me, that's one. Um, aspect of the balance of confidence and humility. Another um, aspect that, again, it's it's very important to me is the level of genuineness that they bring to the role, to the, their day-to-day, to the life of the, you know, the, the world that they operate in. So when I can sit down with someone or have worked for someone or have seen someone really be genuine in the way they communicate and the way they show up, um, a, a leader that can ignite trust because people care to hear and understand and value what they bring. To me, that's another key component of a great leader. And maybe I'll, I'll wrap up to it with the third, which is respect and followership. So when you have the ability to admire or be admired because of who we are as people first, not because of who we are, because we executed all these things and we're so good at delivering. That's great. And by, don't take me wrong. We all need to deliver. And we're, you know, especially if you're working for a for-profit, you know, we're getting paid to do a job. But when you can first be a person and be respected and followed because of what you bring to the table as an individual, and then on top of that, you execute, that to me um, also really kind of highlights what a great leader is um, versus what a good leader is. So genuinely, you know, genuineness and trust, respect, and then that balance of confidence and humility are some of the key, I would say, attributes that I would, would say to me transcend leadership and great leaders through many organizations that I've been part of. That, that is absolutely, absolutely 100% correct. Um, you know, one thing I will add to that is focusing on the person's strengths rather yeah. than their weaknesses, you know, uh, we tend to focus a lot on somebody's weakness sometimes as a manager and not try to put them in a position where they are using their strengths instead. You know, if somebody's yeah. good at 
A, but you put them in a job that requires B, where they're not so good at, you know, they're going to fail. So it's like, you know, what Einstein, I think, famously said, you can't judge an, a, a fish with its ability to climb a tree. You know, yeah. a fish is good at swimming. It's not going to try to climb a tree like, a, you know, um, a, a cat would, I guess. But um, so I think that's an important one for a manager to realize that. Yeah, it is. And, and actually, I'll add something else to that. Not always we have this opportunity, but I've had the opportunity to do that in my current role. And when you have the opportunity as a leader to recognize one that, right, which is what are the strengths of the team that I acquired and or have? And then we were actually able to place people and change your operating model so that you're augmenting those strengths and then minimizing their weaknesses or removing kind of the role parts that are really kind of not tied to what they're good at. It significantly will amplify the world of how much you can execute, how quickly can you go, and the level of engagement that you'll have with your team. So I'm 100% in agreement with that statement. And I know that that's not always the case and not always easy, but I would, I would ask every single people leader that, you know, is listening to this, that think about the strengths of your team. And if you have an opportunity to move people around and to give them opportunities to stretch or to do different things in support of that, do it because you'll see just immediately better results. 100%. All right. The last few questions. We are towards the end of our uh, time here. How would you describe your leadership style and what's one leader that you admire and and uh, would like to look up to? Yeah, so um, maybe I'll repeat a little bit because I guess what I admire is also maybe what I consider my leadership style to be. But maybe things that I haven't um, talked about from a style, I'm extremely passionate. So I would say passion is probably one of um, my, my core values. And it's also from a style kind of who I am and how I operate. And it is really um, the ability to make a difference in the world around me while loving what I do. So every single day when I show up to work, I know I need to make an impact. That's, that, that's my why. That's what, what I do, what I do in every facet of my life. And then how is that going to change the world for the better? So I have a lot of passion and that comes across typically in everything I do. So I say that's one. Um, number two is transparency. Everyone knows where, where I stand, where they stand. Um, I try to be very direct and, and mindful of how that's received. And I've had to really think through that through the years but I try to be transparent and, and always know that there's no question of where I stand and where people stand. And I think that's really created a lot of great relationships and trust quickly. So that's number two. And number three is, um, which is going to sound a little cheesy. And I don't know if someone has said that before, but it's probably love. Um, everything that I do really comes from, from the heart. So I can't really do a role. I can't lead people without love. Um, I care about people first and who they are as an individual, and then it's everything else. So if I have to talk about leadership style, um, I know it sounds kind of like, really? But it, it is, it is. I'm, I'm all about love. And if I don't feel that, and if I can express and be that person, um, then, I, then I know it's not the right, the right time, the right fit for me. Excellent. And who do you admire as a leader that you want to emulate or follow? That's probably one of the hardest questions um, that I've been asked. And, and it's interesting because I think that it depends. I'll say it depends. Um, it depends personally and professionally. How I'll have two answers for you. 
professionally, I had one leader um, that specifically always comes to mind. She was one of the most empathetic leaders that I've um, probably worked for in my career. She allowed me and, and my colleagues to have room for learning and was a great teacher. She let us fail and learn through that process. And it was a very comfortable space to do so. She also took risks and gave us opportunities of things that we didn't know or what we hadn't, you know, maybe experienced. So I think that is one of the components as a leader that you have leaders that will kind of bet on people or bet on, on kind of experience. And she bet on people. Um, and that's one of the things that I would say, I try to emulate. I bet on people and capabilities that they have, and they can learn everything else later or as part of the job. So she was someone that I just thought had a great balance of savviness and, and, um, engagement. And, and she was kind and she didn't have to be, she was very direct and, and to the point when she had to, but she had that softer side too. And, and as, as, a, as a woman, I always appreciate when we showcase that you can still have the emotion and the love and the passion and that be seen as a positive and also be effective and impactful in your day to day. So she was the one that I probably um, will always remember and and try to emulate in many of the facets and personally it's my parents um you know they they were great leaders in the spaces that they were in but they always showed me the the value of work and you know making sure that you're being committed and that you're working hard and that it is important to live by your word and that your word matters and that your behaviors matter more you know more and that at the end of the day you know that you're in the right place when you can be who you are at all times. And when you find that, that's, that's a pretty good place to be. And that is really happiness at the end of the day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amari. It's been a pleasure. And I really admire your passion that you talked about, but also what you displayed on this show. So I really appreciate it. And CPSI is very lucky to have you. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, with that, we'll wrap up the show. And until next time, thank you. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag People Strategy Leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios for recording and mixing this show.